This morning, we are going to be talking about baptism. I was going to go with, we've been going through the book of Mark, um, and, and where we are in the book of Mark is the unpardonable sin, um, which would be a lovely thing to talk about uh, for the children that are getting baptized. So I decided that we would do the unpardonable sin next week. Now let me just ask by a show of hands, how many of you have questions about the unpardonable sin? To be honest, raise your hand. Has anybody ever, ever had issues? If you go uh, into different uh, mental health clinics and hospitals, uh, my own experience in dealing with that, you will find a large percentage of people that believe they've committed it. You guys are aware of this? Has anybody in here ever thought that you committed it? Anybody? Anybody? Am I the only one? Okay, well, this next week's sermon, it'll be really interesting. It'll be for me. Uh, and you all can you all can come and uh, and listen to it and uh, and hopefully you will be helped. But I uh, am very curious what Jesus has to say about the unpardonable sin because if there's a sin I don't want to commit, it's the one that can't be pardoned, right? Okay, so next week that's what we're going to do. This morning, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about baptism uh, and we're going to give kind of a nutshell of what we believe that baptism is and why we do it, and then we are going to baptize three beautiful children. So, before we get into that, though, we're going to pray for the message, but we want to pray um, Leslie's cousin, Cindy, in Arizona. She is uh, the wife of a pastor of a, uh, in a large church setting. She is in the ICU right now with covid um, and it does not look great, and we want to lift her up in prayer as a part of our uh, opening up this morning. So um, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you this morning in the name of Jesus. We thank you for this day. God, I thank you for everyone that is here. I thank you, Lord, for the faithful ministry of the Holy Spirit. Lord, as you're teaching us, instructing us, leading us, helping us, comforting us, Lord, I pray you would do that all throughout this service. Pray that you would strengthen our understanding of who you are and open the eyes of the blind or maybe calloused hearts or indifference. God, I pray you would rescue us from that. Lord, as we get ready to receive from your word, I, I pray this morning for Cindy. Lord, we, we lift her up before you and ask for healing in her body. We ask for your mercy, God, on her. We ask that you would strengthen her and that you would give strength and hope to her family and her husband. God, I pray that, that she would know your comforting presence right now where she is in the hospital. God, I pray you would give the doctors extra wisdom and insight as they minister to her. Lord, we thank you for this and we give you glory for it in the name of Jesus. All God's people said, Amen. If you have a Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28. Baptism is a sacrament of the church. We are engaging in two sacraments today. Sacred items that the church engages in, and one of them was communion. The Lord's Supper. That's something that He instructed the church to do. So we do it. But he also instructed us to baptize. We're going to find out hopefully why. 
Matthew chapter 28, we are going to read with verse 16. Now where are we? At the very, These are the last verses of Matthew, famous verses. It's right before Jesus ascends into heaven, but it's after he's been crucified and he's been raised from the dead. He spends 40 years with the disciples, or 40 days, excuse me, with the disciples after he's been raised from the dead. And in that 40-day period, he had stuff to say. And what we get from Matthew is a really power-packed punch of information. Okay. Now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That is a powerful statement. It's all his. There isn't any other. It's his. Go therefore, because this authority has been given to me, because this power has been given to me, because you are now a part of me, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There, that is a power sandwich. On the, the first thing he said, the, the first layer of bread is, I have all the authority and I have all the power. The other layer of that sandwich, the other side of the bread is, I am with you always. I've got all the authority. I've got all the power. So in the middle of this sandwich is what we do as a church, as a body of Christ, as Christians, what we do is go into all the world, we baptize, that means they've been converted, and we baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we make disciples, and we teach. That is the mission of the church, and that mission is secured by all authority has been given to me, and I'm with you always. That's really wonderful stuff. Jesus is with us, so this morning when we baptize, we are fulfilling what he told the church to do. It is not because we have Adele and Connie are eight, right? How old's Colton? Is he seven? So we've got we've got prime cuteness going on with seven and eight year olds, right? And the temptation is for you to view it like it's cute. Which it is, I'm not going to deny or argue that it's cute, but it is much, much, much deeper than cute. It is a reality that is set down in the Holy Word of God that all authority has been given to Christ. He's with us always, so go do this thing we're going to do today. It is a powerful, powerful thing that we are going to do because God is in it. Not because we're doing it, but because God is in it. So I want that to be entrenched in your heart and in your mind what's going on. Turn with me to Mark, since we're going through the book of Mark. I thought we might as well go to Mark chapter 16. This is the other recorded instance where Jesus commands baptism. Verse 15, this is Mark's account of the same event. And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim to the, 
proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Jesus is saying that there is power in this message, and you proclaim it, and every one of them that believes, we're going to be baptizing them. Everyone who does not believe is condemned. I want you to get kind of the weight, because it should kind of land on you like, oh, that's heavier than I thought it was. Have you ever picked up a box and realized that it was heavier than you thought it was? And if you're a man, you try to do it anyway, and you get a hernia or whatever else that happens, but you try. Okay, sometimes Scripture is heavier than you think it is. Right? You, you just make it a little verse that goes on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker, and you, you try to keep it distant from yourself. But when you embrace what God is saying and you feel the, oh my, okay, that's heavier than I thought. It's not a bad heavy. It is a securing, anchor-like heavy that we need. And what I, what I hear when I, when I see Jesus talk this way, he, he's looking at his disciples and saying, I want you to leave this area, and he's going to say that in Acts 2, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to go to cultures that don't speak your language. And I want you to learn their language, so in their language you can tell them, I am the king, and I have come to save. And then when they believe it, I want you to think about how crazy this really is. When they believe it, you're going to baptize them as evidence of their belief. And I'm going to be with you to do that. And this is how the church exploded all over the world. It was not because they had clever, slick messaging. It wasn't because their pastors and their elders were super cool and had really neat Twitter handles. That is not why it spread. The Gospel spread where Jewish fishermen and tax collectors and other and women that weren't that were formerly prostitutes all these people that were a part of the early church just start going out and spreading the gospel message and you have to believe that God is involved in that because only God can empower a message through people that are just ordinary this ordinary group of people us today are no different than them in the sense that the same God, the same message, the same command, the same Holy Spirit preaches that message. So when I, I was talking with Colton and I was talking with Connie, I was talking to Adele and I was talking to them about Jesus coming into their life and then believing. Um, and we were sitting up here, it was last Sunday right after church. And it's, it is precious to hear kids in their simplicity big big giant eyes open with wonder over yes i i believe jesus is lord we can't take it for granted and we cannot shove it off into the cute category only moms you can make it cute and that's true and you can have pictures and it, and that's true i fully expect facebook to have a full showing of pictures from all the family that's involved. That is wonderful. I think that is a part of the testimony. What I'm saying though this morning is, baptism is way deeper. And 
salvation is way deeper. You know that Peter said that angels long to look in to our salvation. You're aware of this? There are angels that are curious about what God has done in redemption of his people. What God has done is truly unbelievable and incomprehensible. Okay. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. We're just kind of doing a survey of baptism this morning. This is the very first sermon after Jesus was raised from the dead. I call this Peter's 10-minute sermon in which he calls everybody listening murderers, liars, filthy sinners, condemns them to their face about a month and a half after he denies Jesus. What happened to Peter? The Holy Spirit happened to Peter. Changed his entire world. He's always been a hot-headed, braggadocious person. But now, infused with the Holy Spirit and power, he preaches this message. It's all of Acts chapter 2. And when you get to verse 37, well, look at verse 36, just to get the last ending sentence of Peter's 10-15 minute sermon. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus, whom you crucified. How'd you like a sermon like that? Preacher just stare you in the face and call you a murderer. It's your fault. And you would expect people to be offended. And they're not offended. Because it's true. And look at what they say. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you. What do we got to do? They don't even argue that they were at fault. Because these are the people that were saying, Crucify him. A month and a half ago, they were saying, Give us Barabbas. A month and a half ago. And now they're, now they're confronted with the reality of their sin and they are cut to the heart by the power of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, repent, be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. With many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word, it wasn't all of them, but it was a lot of them, were baptized, and they, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. It's an impressive, powerful moment. It is the first sermon preached. 3,000 people become Christians, and they had to find some water. Because they all got baptized. Go with me to Acts chapter 8. Philip sees an Ethiopian. An Ethiopian eunuch. He's probably attached to some sort of political group. He's curious about the Jewish scriptures. He's reading Isaiah 53. <laughs> 
which is a great passage of Scripture. In verse 34, let's read that together. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself? Somebody else? Philip want, or the, the Ethiopian wants to know, who is this talking about in Isaiah 53 that, um, that he is going to bear our transgressions? And, and, who, and if you see verse 33, in his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation for his life is taken away from the earth? Who is this guy? Well, Philip now has an open door. Verse 35, Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. I will tell you who this is. This is Jesus. Now, just stop for a second. Is this a coincidence, happenstance, that the Ethiopian eunuch just happens to have a portion of Scripture that's about the Messiah? Is this just accidental? And that Philip just accidentally stumbles across the guy? No, this is how God works. He looks up, unexpecting, Philip, can you tell me what this is about? And Philip tells him the good news about Jesus. So Colton tells me that he was at a VBS, right? He was at a VBS, which parents frequently send their kid to VBS because it's a good thing to do. And as a father of four, I will tell you that it also gives mom and dad a little chance to, uh, well, not have any kids in the house for a moment, right? Is that, I mean, VBS, that is, a, I'm not saying, I'm not denigrating Mark and Monica at all. I am uh, the chiefest, I'm not even going to call that a sin. That is a wonderful thing. You send your kid to VBS, mom and dad can take a nap, right? Or eat the cookie dough without the kids there or something to that effect. Or the ice cream. I've done both of those things. I've done all three of those things. Sorry, kids. I love you, but I like ice cream. Um, but Colton was not there by mistake. He's not there by mistake. He's there. He's heard about Jesus. He's grown up in this church. He's heard about Jesus. He's heard about Jesus from mom and dad. But God is at work in his heart, and he goes to VBS, and there is a moment where the Holy Spirit comes through and Colton says, I believe that. And he becomes a Christian. It's, it's cute, but it's, it's way deeper than cute. It's eternal. This Ethiopian just happens to be reading Isaiah 53, and Philip just happens to be coming by tells him the good news about Jesus. Verse 36, And as they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here is water. Philip didn't say it. The eunuch said it. What prevents me from being baptized? Somewhere in Philip's message, he preached to him that baptism was part of the program. Because Jesus said, Go in all the world, preach the gospel, baptizing them. So in his message, he has been told part of the good news of Jesus is you repent, you confess your sin, you put your faith in Christ, and then you publicly get baptized in water. 
to demonstrate that you believe and are committed to what you confess you believe. Verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stop. They both went down to the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He did not let any moss grow under his feet at all. He got baptized now, which is great. Now, we don't always do it that way. I'm starting to wonder if it'd be a great thing to do. Just say, okay, you, you've confessed Christ. Let's just dunk you in some water now. Okay, that's what happened here. Go with me to chapter 10. Verse 43, this is the first Gentile to be saved. Now, if you remember when we preached through the book of Acts, this is only 10 years after Jesus has been raised from the dead. It took them 10 years, the Jewish community, to understand that Gentiles were included. (laughs) It took them a long time. Verse 44, Peter has been preached. Actually, I'm going to read you. Verse uh, 43, Peter's preaching at Cornelius' house. He is an Italian, Roman uh, citizen, and he has had a dream. He's called for Peter, and he wants to talk about Jesus. And Peter preaches to him the gospel. In verse 43, to him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So Peter's a little easier in this sermon. He doesn't call him a murderer. He doesn't. So, you know, Peter wasn't always just yelling at people. He says he's preaching forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who believed, who heard the word. It's powerful. The Holy Spirit just drops in while he's speaking. And the believers from among the circumcised, this is these are the Jewish folks that are there with Peter who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. So not only was there this experience of salvation, but there was a spiritual gift imparted and these guys were actually speaking in tongues, which is exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2 when the first apostles and disciples and the 120 were Uh, saved and baptized, there was this extra thing that happened where they were given this gift. And that's how, ten years later, Peter knows that they got the same thing we did in Acts chapter 2 ten years ago. Then Peter declared, can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked them to stay for some days. That would have been an incredible moment to be a part of. Peter's conclusion, by the way, they got to go back to the church and say, hey, a bunch of Gentiles got saved. This is not what we were expecting. They were Romans, as a matter of fact. I mean, they were Romans. And they got saved. They had to go back to the church, and the church had to say, really? In Jerusalem? Are you serious? But I love what Peter says. He says, can anyone withhold water? What, is it? what am I getting at with this? That baptism is linked 
to the confession of all Christians who profess faith in Christ, the reason we baptize is not just to put these kids or adults under the water to say that we did. We're going to give them a certificate. The certificate is not going to give them to heaven. The water isn't going to literally remove the sin. It is the faith in Christ that causes them to go under the water that is removing the sin. It's an awesome thing. It is a public thing. Here's the four things we believe about baptism. We believe it's an obedience to Jesus' command. We've already read His command. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Believe that it's emblematic or a mark or a symbol, but it's not merely a symbol or an emblem or a mark. It is connected to salvation. Baptism is important because it was commanded by Jesus. So, we must get baptized. It's a part of our testimony. Part of the testimony of Connie and Adele and Colton will be, I was eight years old or seven years old when I got baptized. I've given my heart to Jesus. And do they understand it completely? The answer is no. Do you understand it completely? Also, no. If we waited for you to understand it completely, since we're studying church history, do you know what uh, Emperor Constantine, who did become a Christian, do you know that he tried to wait right up until he was almost dead to get baptized? Do you want to know why he waited so long? Because they believed that you couldn't sin after you got baptized because then it undid the baptism. So we got to wait until you're on your deathbed talking gibberish before we, before we baptize you because we want to get it right up as close to you dying as possible to give you as little opportunity to sin as we can. Now, can you imagine trying to do that? Well, we don't want to baptize him yet. I mean, Colton's only seven. We're going to have to let... He's got years of sinning to do. We can't do it now. It's funny, when you learn what people have believed throughout church history. It's really interesting. But, but that, is, that is a misunderstanding of what baptism is. Baptism is the declaration, I belong to Jesus. I have been united with Christ. I have faith in Him. And I promise you that is deeper than any of us understand. In fact, I want you to go with me to Romans chapter 6. Because if you would like something to chew on for the rest of your life, it's going to be Romans chapter 6. Does anybody else like the Bible Scriptures? You grow up your whole life in church, and the devil has this sneaky way of making it some boring thing. It's not. Romans chapter 6 says something very mysterious, profound, and awesome. What shall we say? Verse 1, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Everything Paul said in the first five chapters of Romans 
leads him to say that because when you get hit in the face with the reality of the grace of God and the forgiveness of God and the mercy of God, the human sinful side of us says, well then, I mean, if grace is going to abound where sin is, then I might as well keep on sinning, thereby proving the grace of God. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? This is weird, because nobody in this room is dead, yet he's addressing you as Christians as if you're dead, or have died, past tense. That should cause eyebrows to raise. What is he talking about? How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, Jesus, were baptized into his death? So if you're a Christian, you're a part of a weird religion. We are telling you, and you are professing you believe, that when you get baptized, you are being baptized into his death. Verse 4, he keeps going, we were buried therefore with him by baptism into death. Why? In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Jesus was crucified, buried, and did not stay there. He rose from the dead on the third day, and He did that on our behalf. But how does that wind up credited to us? And then what what is the way that this works? Well, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, yet I live. The life that I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. We were baptized into Jesus' death through this symbol that symbolizes going into the grave under the water. So when I was explaining this to Connie and Adele and Colton, their eyes did get a little big as I was trying to explain Romans chapter 6 to 7 and 8 year olds. So I want to try to explain it to you what I said to them. I said, pretend this is you. And they all laughed. Pretend this is Jesus. And what God has done in baptism is said that we are baptized into His death so that we are united with Christ so that when He was crucified on the cross, it's like you and I were there and all of your sin was crucified through Christ. All of it that you've done. Don't anybody leave here saying, I've done too much. I've went too far, I'm too gross, I'm too ugly, I'm, I'm, I'm reprehensible. All of that is true. Because every one of you has offended and sinned against an infinitely holy God. So yes, that's true. Which is why what He did is so incredible. Because He took you in your grossness and nailed all of it to the cross and died under the penalty that you should have got. He got. And so God looks at you and says, you're there with Christ on the cross and you are buried with Him in baptism. When I dunk them under the water, you need to be thinking in your head, that is the symbol of dying. 
But when I pull them up out of the water, that is the symbol of resurrection, life. So that we, according to Romans 6, can walk in newness of life. We get brand new life because Jesus has been raised from the dead. And not only that, according to Romans 6, he goes on to say, if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. This hasn't happened yet to any of us. But there is a resurrection coming. So being a Christian and being baptized into his death so that we can walk in newness of life, just as Jesus went down and was raised, these kids are going down under the water and raised up brand new creatures in Christ, walking in newness of life provided by God, and they're going to do that for the rest of their life. So is every Christian in here. With a future tense hope that there is a resurrection like Jesus' resurrection with a new body and a new heaven and a new earth in the future. Baptism is way more than cute. It's about eternity. It's about eternal life. It is about salvation. This baptism is deep stuff into Jesus, into His death. Nobody in here gets this completely, including myself. So we're not going to wait till we understand it completely. We're going to understand the basics. I'm united to Christ. I believe in Him. I'm following His command. I'm going to do what He said. I'm united, and I want to grow in my understanding. You never know. You might hear Connie and Adele and Colton 15, 20 years from now talking, and their understanding has increased. Their walk with Christ and this newness of life has grown. Who knows what God will do? Who knows what God will do in their life? We as a church get to be a community and be a part of it. So, I'm going to stop and I'm going to have somebody go get all the kids. Abby, you're going? Okay. Daniel, we're going to take the lid off if you would help do that. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to have all the kids come in because their friends are getting baptized, so they want to see it too. Moms and dads and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and friends, you are free as we do this to come and take pictures um, and help them out. And um, Chris, I think you're going to be playing. Daniel, we'll just set it on that wall. is exciting stuff. I like to think what it was like. You know, the Bible says that Thomas went to India and preached the gospel. Not the Bible, doesn't church history says it. And uh, I like to think he goes over there and starts speaking to a bunch of people that have never heard anything about anything about Jesus power of the Holy Spirit, people start getting saved. And they just start dunking people in rivers 
and ponds and lakes. It's incredible. So I see Colton. Waiting for the rest of the crew. The water's warm. Really warm. Something I want to ask everyone to do as we're waiting for, I think they're getting in the wardrobe change. Um, I think what, uh, something I always ask is, is that we would take time to pray for these kids, um, to lift them up before the Lord in prayer and uh, it's not always easy to go to school, um, to be a Christian, um, to live your life different than the world around you. So pray for them. So what I'm going to do, so everybody knows, is I'm going to have them walk up. So guys, remember we talked about there's there's coming. So you guys remember we talked. We're going to and they're going to hold their nose. That way they don't get it up their nose. Had that happen and it's. Hard to pray when the person's choking and sputtering. So actually, it's a good time to pray. But so I don't know who's going to go first. Adele, you want to go first? Connie, you want to go first? So we're going to have Connie come on up. So just come right up here, and I hope you just step in there. It's it's warm. And then see right here is where the, so you're going to step down and be real careful. It goes all the way down. And then you sit down there on that ledge. Do you want to take the glasses off? Him? Are you ready? Connie, have you made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life? You've put your trust in him. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to, I'm going to baptize. Do you want to take your other arm and grab this one? Okay, so that gives me something to hold on to. So. Father, we thank you for Connie. We thank you for her life and we thank you for her future. God, we thank you that you have been watching over this moment since before the foundation of the world. God, I thank you. This is not a light moment. It is a powerful moment. And she has confessed her faith in you.
and she has trust in you and she's going to live for you. Lord, I pray that you are with her in strength and in power all the days of her life, giving her wisdom and insight. Lord, I pray she would grow strong in you and in the power of your might. Connie, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. I don't have to do it again. You know, I just have to do it that one. Here, I'll help you. I want to hold your hand here so you don't. Who's going next? We're doing ladies first, right, Colton? All right. So, Dale, you, you, we don't have to do it just yet. You've made Jesus the Lord of your life. Cast him into your heart. Okay. So you can go like this and then do this. All right, I'm going to pray for you. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus and we pray and thank you for Adele. We thank you, Lord. Again, you've watched over this moment since before the world was made. You've known her name and called her by name. And Lord, I thank you that in this moment you are here with her. Pray, God, you would give her wisdom. You would give her strength. You would help her as she grows and serves you. Lord, instruct her, teach her, be with her. Let her know that you're always there. Because you are. Lord, we thank you. We don't know what you have in store for her, but Lord, we thank you that you are leading her in paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, we thank you for all this in the name of Jesus. Adele, we baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm going to hold on to you here. All right, Colton. <laughs> you scoot all the way down here. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Boys and girls are different. They're just, they're just. Colton, you've made Jesus the Lord of your life. You don't have to give a speech. Okay. You're trusting him, right? Amen. Okay. I want to pray for you first, okay? All right. Father, we thank you for Colton and his life. God, we thank you that at a young age, he's heard your call and he's responded in faith. And we thank you, Lord, that you are with him. Lord, he's the oldest of his brothers, and we pray that he would lead a path for them to emulate and follow. God, give him strength, give him wisdom, give him hope for the future. Lord, we thank you that you are strengthening him with all might and power in the inner man, that Christ is dwelling in his heart by faith, and that he, rooted and grounded in your love, will comprehend the height, depth, length, the love of Christ that passes knowledge, that he would be filled with all the fullness of God. Lord, we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Colton, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Thank you.
Good job. <laughs> Before we go, let's just give God some glory, give him praise, for we thank you. Amen. Amen. Now listen, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know Him. Give your heart to Him. Surrender to Him. Turn from your sin and turn to Christ. That is our hope, and it's our only hope of salvation. I want to have everybody stand up and we're going to be done. Right after we pray, Willow. Let's all pray. Father, we thank you for this day. God, this is a blessed day. We just pray that it would be written in stone in their minds, their hearts, their memories. God, that, that you were present and will always be present in their life. God, we, we pray that all of us have been Christians for years, Lord, that we would be encouraged, rejuvenated, enthusiastic about our faith. This is not only a cute moment. This is an eternal and powerful moment. And we give you glory for it. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Church, you are officially dismissed.